morning. Uh, let, let me do something in the, in the way of uh, greeting uh, first or second time visitors that was done last week, and I really uh, thought it was really neat. If you are here for the first or second time, uh, would you volunteer to be embarrassed by standing where you are and so that we can just see who you are and greet you? Would you please stand? If this is your first and second time, please stand. Great. It is so good. Thank you for coming. Now, everybody else, stand up. Everybody in the congregation, stand up, and you greet those people you just saw stand. Would you please do that? Raise your hand if, you, if you're the first time, first time visitor. Raise up your hand so people can see who you are. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. We, I hope we didn't embarrass you too much. And if you are living in this community and you're looking for a church home, please consider us. We would love to include you in our church family. It would really be our privilege. Um, secondly, if you would take the registration pads, black, there should be a black registration pad in each pew. Take them and let me just, as you begin to pass those, sign them and begin to pass them. And when they get down to the end of the row, pass them on to the chairs. Do the chairs have them? Chairs don't have them. Pass them on to the chairs so the people in the chairs can sign them, please. Everybody, please sign them. Let me tell you a little bit something about these registration pads. They are your ticket to involvement in this body. Um, at the very least, if you are the first person signing that, please sign all the information. We get these things back and it's really interesting. If the first person just puts down their last name, everybody else just puts down their last name. If the first person doesn't put their phone number, nobody else puts their phone number. If the first person fills it all in, everybody else fills it all in. You are a leader if you have that registration pad. You have a real responsibility. So fill all that in and check the appropriate boxes. Also, please notice throughout that sheet that um, there are initials, there are ways that you can be involved in this body, and if one of those speaks to your interest, please put down the appropriate initial and you will be contacted by somebody in the church. This way we don't have you have to sign up at the back or anything like that. We would just really appreciate the chance for you to be involved here. In the first three weeks that these registration pads were used, we had 154 sign-ups. Now, when you're only averaging a couple of hundred adults a week, 154 sign-ups is a significant amount of body involvement in that church work. So please look those, others, those over and, and uh, feel invited. We would love for you to be invited into those things. There used to be a show on TV called Dragnet. Remember that show with Joe Friday? And the way, they, the way they started that show, they started the same, well, same way every Sunday, or every, every day that it was on. I forget what day it was on. There'd come this real serious voice over the, over the television and say, there are a thousand stories. This is Los Angeles. This is the city of Los Angeles. 
and they talk a little bit, and they say, there are a thousand stories here, and this is one of them. I kind of feel like that when I'm talking about today's message because it's a message on pain. And over the coming years, I'm going to preach to you a thousand times on pain. And this is just one of them. And I'm not going to try to cover everything today that I want to say to you about suffering in the future. I'm not going to try to explain it today. I will try in the future. Uh, I just want to, to, to basically tell you a couple of things that are contained in this particular passage as we preach our way through 1 Peter. First of all, I want to share with you that pain is in God's plan. We Americans will strive to do just about anything to avoid pain. We think of it as unnatural. But I want to say to you what C.S. Lewis said to me a long time ago when I read part of his works. He said, God whispers to us in our happiness. He talks to us in our conscience but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain has a purpose in this world. And therefore, we should not be ashamed to talk about it. We should not be ashamed to experience it. The first thing our scripture says to us today is, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Somewhere, we've gotten the idea that the norm for this world is happiness and comfort. I want to say to you today, that's not the norm at all for this world. Somehow we get bluffed when we experience pain into feeling isolated. And the first thing we say, the first question we ask if we're in a lot of pain is a question containing two words. Can you guess what it is? Thank you very much. Why me? Because you see, that question presupposes that it's nobody else, it's just me. This doesn't happen to all those other people. It just happens to me. You see what's happening in that question there? It presupposes a world of people who have it all together, but you just don't. I'd like to tell you this morning, and I will tell you this morning in several different ways, that I've been in the ministry for 15 years, not a particularly long time, but long enough to talk to thousands of people, and I have not yet met the first person who has it all together. I have not yet met the first person who is not in the midst of some sort of suffering or struggle. And I don't care how they look to you on the outside, Inside, they are facing a trial. But yet, when trials come upon us, the Bible says we're surprised. And we think it's something strange. It's not strange at all. It's the norm for this world. And even those who are not experiencing the kind of pain that comes when you have tragedy in your life, are experiencing either struggle with temptation or a struggle with your blessings. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about blessings this morning, but I know that there are any number of you people sitting out here who say to themselves, you know, I've never been through my share of pain. I have not had my share of suffering. I've been blessed my whole life. God blessed my socks off. I tell you what, that in some ways 
is the greatest pain of all. Because do you know what the Bible says? For those who have been given much, much is required. And so those of you who feel like you have not been tested by the normal kind of suffering are going to be struggling, if you're a Christian, with how come you bless my socks off, God? What do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to react to this? And that is a struggle in itself. Okay, let me go on here. Let me just share with you a perspective that I would love for you to have. Earlier in my ministry, I had a lot of visits to a particular hospital that I hated to go to. It's a hospital in Indianapolis. It's called Riley Hospital. And that hospital is a hospital for children. And they have a lot of sick kids there, but mostly they are kids with cancer. And every time I walked into that hospital, I did it with fear and trembling. I hated to go there because I saw the same thing over and over again as I passed down those halls. I saw little kids shriveled up, hooked up to IVs. I saw some kids who had lost all their hair because, because of chemotherapy. I saw some kids who were amputees because they had been... They had been um, Attacked and, and they had tried to remove the attack surgically. And every time I came out of the hospital, I came out not with depression, but with a question on my mind. And the question on my mind was this, Lord, why not me? Not why do I have to suffer for something, but if suffering is so widespread in this world, and if these kids have to go through this, how is it that I have three healthy children? How did you manage that? And why should I be so blessed? I think that every time you ask the question, why me? That might be something to consider. Why have you not had to ask that question continually in your life? Why has it been so long since you have had to ask that question? Why not you if norm, if, if pain is the norm in this world? It's a really important question. Second of all, let's go on a little bit further. It says this, to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, let me, let me go back to the end of verse 12, as though something strange were happening, now look at the words, to you. And then it switches the approach to pain, the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Now, let me just present to you this possibility. There are two ways, two ways that pain can affect you. One way is that it completely dominate and intimidate you. And that is the natural way that pain does that to us. If we have to suffer, all of a sudden suffering is on top of us. And it is happening to us, you see. And that begins to separate us from everybody else. Pain is something that we usually deal with in a passive sense. It immobilizes us because we're scared. But the Bible does not recommend that. 
The Bible recommends an active stance when you're going through pain. It says, yeah, you're going to go through pain. Everybody goes through pain. If God did not spare His own Son, you're not going to be spared either. Everybody's going to go through pain. But to the degree, now watch, that you share the sufferings of Christ. Pain should not be on top of you. Pain, if you're going through it, ought to be nipping at your heels. Pain ought not to be intimidating to you. Pain ought to be some distraction to you that you're trying to get rid of so that you can go on with something else. You have a choice as people. And don't just relax and say, oh God, just take this off me. You know, if I just believe enough, I know God will take this off me. God will give you, God will give you uh, 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 patience and he'll give you strength. And there are some times that he will perform miracles in your life and he will somehow rescue you from that particular situation. But that is not his modus operandi. His modus operandi is to send that to you and see what you do with it. You know what a trial is? It's a dividing point. It's where you are judged. And I'm going to get that into that in a little bit. But there are two ways. You can either share the sufferings of Christ or you can be buried by your pain. Let me tell you a story. True story. Got it from Paul Harvey. I love to listen to Paul Harvey. It's a historical, it's about a historical figure. She was 37 years young, too young to die, but yet the symptoms of a fatal heart disease were unmistakable. The palpitations, the pains, all the rest of the symptoms led to the conclusion and the diagnosis that her heart would stop at any time. So she went to bed to die. But she didn't die. Let me tell you a little bit more about her background. She began to develop these symptoms when she was a teenager growing up, and she wanted to do something with her life that her parents wouldn't let her do. And so as a coping device to kind of rebel, they believe, rebel against her parents, she began to get sick and withdraw and caused them all kinds of frustration. And these symptoms were absolutely unmistakable. And she lived in and out of her bed with those symptoms until she was age 33. And when she was 33, she decided that she would pursue a career that at that time had really no merit, had no respect for a young lady. The career was the career of nursing. For the next three years, she was indefatigable. I love that word. <laughs> she, she was a marvel of physical and emotional strength. And the suffering she went through were not, was not of her own doing. There was actual valid reason for that suffering. The kind of suffering anybody would have done if, if they would have gone through what she went through. She had her training. She went to the front of the Crimean War. And there for three years, heroically, she spent her life ministering in the name of Christ to the wounded. After those three years, the symptoms came back. And she was intimidated 
And she went back to bed to die at 37, believing that any day her heart would stop. And one day it did, when she was 90. For 53 years, she was a captive of her own pain. She was a captive. She was intimidated by suffering. But yet, you know, the world remembers that woman not for the 53 years she spent in bed, but for the three years she chose to share the sufferings of Christ instead of having pain happen to her. Anybody want to guess what her name was? Florence Nightingale. That's right. You see, there's a choice. There's a choice, and you have the choice. The choice is not whether or not to experience pain. This is a world of pain. This is not heaven. We wouldn't be so anxious to get heaven into us if this were heaven. This is a world of suffering. But you have the choice as to how you are going to suffer. Let's go a little bit further in the scripture. It says, Don't let, don't, by no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a troublesome meddler. Let me just give you a quick interpretation of that, some expose. These, these verbs are like ongoing verbs. It's like, we realize, don't we, that when we sin, we're going to pay the price. We understand that there are natural consequences that even if we repent, we will not head off some of those natural consequences. We're going to suffer those consequences. But this, this scripture isn't talking about that. This scripture is talking about a continual kind of thing. In other words, if you are in pain, don't let it be because you are continually doing something. Let me just translate that, that uh, last uh, word for you, troublous, troublesome meddler, because if you read different translations, it has different, different uh, words there. It's because Peter kind of invents a word here. The word is atreopiscopos in Greek, and it's the, first, it's the only time in the Bible those two words are ever put together. And it, came, it comes from atreos, which means uh, of another, and episkopos, which means to oversee or to get into. So put together, it means literally that you are getting into what is another's stuff. All right? Now that could mean a few things. It could mean that if you want what somebody else has and you are coveting that good and you are suffering because you don't have that, then, then that's your problem. And you ought not to do that. If you get mad because you're a Christian and you can't party down like everybody else does, and you kind of miss that, you go, oh, what am I missing? Oh, golly. And you sit home and you fume because you cannot indulge yourself with that anymore. That is, that could be the meaning of that verse. It also could be the meaning of the verse, just that you just flat out won't mind your own business. And if you are suffering because you won't mind your own business and let other people take care of their own affairs, the Bible gets mad and says, cut it out. Don't do that anymore. But then look at this. The Bible says, but if you are going to suffer, if you are suffering as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. If you're suffering because you do, you're doing what you need to do, then that's, that's how you can rejoice. That's what's of credit to you. 
And there is that choice. You remember the story about the, the Good Samaritan in Scripture? About the guy who um, uh, stopped by the wayside to pick up this old bloody mess that the thieves have, had beat? The priest passed him by. The Levite passed him by. But this old Good Samaritan stopped and cleaned this guy up and took him to an inn and paid, for, paid the innkeeper out of his own pocket? Did you ever stop to think why that good Samaritan was so sympathetic? You think he was just a nice guy? You stop and think about that for a while. You know who was one of the most downtrodden peoples of that time, who had more bias against them than any other person of that time? It was the Samaritans. Everybody hated the Samaritans. The woman at the well couldn't figure out why Jesus was talking to her. She was a Samaritan. And Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. In other words, that good Samaritan knew what it was to suffer, didn't he? And he had a, cho he had a choice between whether he was going to be hardened by that suffering or whether he was going to be softened. And he chose to be softened. So therefore, the Scripture says, if you're going to suffer... Do it as a Christian. Be softened by your sufferings. Be more open to what other people need from you. And then consider this. If you're suffering because of your own doing, don't ask God to get you out of that. He said, let no man suffer because he's doing something wrong, because he continues to do something wrong. Let me tell you a story. I went to this guy's bed one time in the hospital. The guy was a smoker to the point of smoking three packs of camels a day, or four packs of camels a day, I forget. It was some unbelievable amount. And the guy had, uh, uh, can't breathe, uh, emphysema, thank you. Help me out with this sermon, will you? You're doing a good job. You're filling in all the blanks. I really appreciate this. Guy had emphysema. And he had cancer. I walked into this guy's room because he called for a minister and somebody had asked me if I'd go and I said I'd be pleased to. And he laid there and I walked into the room and he began this horrible hacking. I mean, like five minutes, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm going, I'm just kind of swaying, you know, by the bedside. And he says... One question. <laughs> Finally got himself to the place where he could talk, reached out, got a camel cigarette, lit it up, took a big old puff, <laughs> five minutes more coughing, pointed that cigarette at me and said, I just got one question. Why me? And I looked at him like you just looked at me. And he said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lots of people smoke, but not all of them get cancer. Why me? And I just was at a loss to explain to that man the cause and effect of what he had done. But I want to tell you something. I had a special kind of sympathy for his suffering because he's a human being, he's a brother, and if he dies a little bit a piece of me dies. As a matter of fact, when he died, some days later, I felt bad. I felt subtracted from. But there was another side of me that said, 
justice had been done because even when he was sick, he wouldn't give up that habit. How many of us are prisoners, captives to our own illnesses? And I'm not blaming us. I'm just saying that we can't expect for God's miraculous healing if we will not even put down a cigarette. And I know how tough that is. I was a smoker for years. But you see, we've got to participate in our redemptive process. When we suffer, we've got to suffer redemptively. And we need to suffer in a way that even when it doesn't seem like it's helping others, we've got to have confidence that it is. The last sentence, and I'll end with this. The last sentence says, Therefore, let those who suffer, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Let me share with you something. I've had in the past few months a relationship with several people who decided to go ahead destroying themselves because being better wasn't going to get them any place. Eventually they were going to go anyhow. So they might as well indulge themselves and it really wasn't going to be a witness for anybody. And so they, they decided that they couldn't see what good it would do God so they decided not to repent. Let me share with you something that if you're doing what you need to do as a Christian, you have a witness. I don't care how it looks, you have a witness. In Luke 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. Jesus is telling the story about the shepherd who goes out to find the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 and he goes out for one sheep that's lost. And when he finds that sheep, what does it say happens in heaven? Remember? The angels rejoice. Exactly. The angels rejoice. I want to ask you something. Who's out there besides the shepherd and that sheep? There's nobody to witness that except the heavenly host. When you suffer as a Christian suffers... I don't care if, if there's nobody around, if nobody knows what you're going through, you are a witness to the heavenly host. Hebrews 12.1 says, We are surrounded with so great a cloud of what? Witnesses. You see? There is the realm of principalities to be dealt with here. And when you do what God's telling you to do, even when no human being can understand it, God understands it, and the angels understand it, and the witnesses understand it, and they are celebrating for you. One more story, and then I'll quit. When I was in college, my grandfather, <clears throat> who had smoked all his life... I, I, I don't mean to talk about smoking this morning. It's just... It's just where the illustrations come in, had developed uh, arteriosclerosis, hardening of the arteries. He had kept having little strokes. And my grandmother had to put him in a nursing home because he had completely lost awareness slowly over a period of time of everybody. And so I remember going home from one college break and taking her to the nursing home. And Pop was, was sitting there, bless his heart, he had been such an intelligent man. 
and, and so wonderful in my eyes, but he was to the point where they had restrained him. He was leaning over in a wheelchair. They had given him medication. His hair was in disarray. He was drooling all over himself. Um, it was just absolutely pitiful. And my grandmother, who was always a prim and proper lady, sat down and began to, began to straighten him up. For what reason, I'll never know, you know, but she wanted to make him look good. And I had forgotten something. She had forgotten something in the car, in their old Rambler. And I ran out to the old Rambler to get it. And I came in. And I came up to the back of her. And I knew that she did not know I was there. And I heard her whispering to him. He could not hear her. She didn't know anybody else was hearing her. But as she was straightening his shirt collar and combing his hair and wiping the drool from, her, from his mouth, she kept whispering to him, I love you, I love you, even though it hurts me, I love you. Friends, when you suffer because you're doing what's right, all of the angels rejoice. It is not wasted. It is not wasted. You are at the point of pain. Let's pray. God, we pray two things this morning. First of all, we pray that we would not make ourselves suffer any longer by what we are doing. If we are caught in sin, and many people are, many of us are, if we are caught in a system that we can't seem to get out of, Lord, we pray that you would stick with us and that we would stick with you until by the power of the Holy Spirit we repent and we are clean of that thing. And that suffering leaves us. And then we pray for an even higher thing. We pray, Lord that you would give us the strength to suffer in doing what is right. We know that it does not come naturally or easily to do for other people or even to pride ourselves enough in a holy way to do for ourselves what we need to do. But Lord, help us to suffer constructively so that we might be judged in such a way as standing with you and that we might be a witness to you beginning now. We pray in the Spirit of Christ. Amen.